ways the blessed life. Um, we've been talking the last seven weeks about having a blessed life, and we've been talking about finances. We've been talking about family. We've been talking about relationships. And can I just tell you, I believe that today's message is the funniest message of the entire series, just so you know. We're going to have a good time in church, right? And, and can I just tell you, I think it's okay to have fun in church. Amen? Um, I, before we get into our uh, text today, which is Luke 9, if you want to go ahead and get in, 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 your, in your, I say Bibles, but most of us have phones that we pull it up on our thing. So, but if you've got a Bible, you can up it there, or if you've got a, a smart device with a Bible on there, you can click there, or whatever it is that you need to do. Um, but I, I've told you guys before that I'm a math person, right? Um, I, I think in numbers. Um, people ask me if I want to do this or if I want to do that, and, and truthfully, the, the answer to that question is, I'm not sure. How much is it going to cost? Anybody else that way? And so that's just how my, my, my brain thinks. And, and can I tell you that, that, man, if Tina asked me about something or a certain project, and the truth is I don't know if I'm for it or against it until she tells me how much it's going to cost. Until I hear that number, it's hard for me to focus on what is being said. The truth is, as I begin to hear like Charlie Brown did with his teacher and his parents, you guys know what I'm talking about? Wah, 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 $40,000. Ooh, I heard that, $40,000, right? Uh, my wife has never come to us with a project that costs $40,000, by the way. Sometimes it's like it's $50 or, or $100, but... Man, once I hear that, I'm like, ooh, okay, now, now I can do something with all of this information. Then I have to replay the entire conversation to figure out what she was talking about that's going to cost $40, $50, or $100. Um, then, once I hear the amount, and then I thought back through what she said, then I can process how long it's going to take us to complete whatever want, want, wall was. Right? Um, but, but, but I've got to have the number. Anybody else a number person? You've got to, like, don't give me the details yet. Give me the number, then give me the details. Um, in the same way, the title of the message today is called The Principles of Multiplication. Um, multiplication is a mathematical term, um, such as addition, uh, mathematical. How about mathematical? That'll work, too. Um, all the teachers in here are going, how do you teach? You can't even talk. It's true. I can't. Um, it is a mathematical term, just like addition, subtraction, and division. Um, but, but how many of you guys know that multiplication is much better than addition? Right? Um, especially when it comes to our resources. And can I tell you, our God is a God of multiplication. Um, He is a God who can multiply. So let me ask you a question, and you can answer me out loud. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? Right? Sometimes we ask God to add to our resources, right? But, But would it be okay with you if God multiplied your resources? Yes or no? Right? It would be okay. Let me show you two principles of multiplication from a very famous passage in Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verses 12 to 14. And it says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away. The twelve came and, and and they said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. 
But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now let's just stop there for just a moment, because many believe that that Jesus fed 5,000 people, but that's just simply not the case. In the Jewish culture at that time, the way that they counted crowds is that they only counted the men that were there, um, because they were counting families. So when it says that there were 5,000 men, if you include uh, the spouses and the children, and assuming that each family only had two children, which per capita at that time was about four to five children, but just saying that there were two children, that would be a husband, a wife, and two children, right? And that would be four times 5,000. Some of you guys are doing math. You're like, I can't get up that. 20,000. Okay? How many of you guys know that 20,000 is a much larger miracle than 5,000? Why? Because of multiplication. Now, just so you know, the the Bible backs this up. Stay in Luke 9, but the parallel scripture in Matthew 14, 21 says, Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you can refer to it as the feeding of 5,000. That's fine as long as you understand that it was 5,000 families, not 5,000 people, right? With five loaves and two fish. Listen, I, I would say that our God is a God of multiplication. Go back to verse 14 and 15. It says, for there were about 5,000 men Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. By the way, I just want to point out that Jesus was also a numbers guy. Um, And and they did so, and they made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So So they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, now listen, when when I see this scripture, because I'm a numbers guy, um, that number pops out to me, right? 12 baskets were left over, right? Um, I I think there's a couple of reasons why there could have been 12 baskets, okay? And then there's some reasons theologically, um, because the region they were in was called the region of 12. But, But one reason could have been that Jesus wanted each disciple to have a doggy bag. Right? It, it could have been. I'm just saying, 12 baskets were left over. There were 12 disciples. It could have been. Now, now, here's what I like to do. And I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I like to put myself in the Bible story. Anybody ever do that? And, 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 and I imagine how I would have responded if I had been there that day. And so today, I want you to do that, okay? Um, that's what we're going to do today. I want you to imagine that you're one of the 12. You're one of the disciples, and, and you're on the Messiah search committee, right? And, and you've got a great candidate um, that's, that's come around, and he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, and he's walking on water, which is like a bonus messianic sign that, that's not prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus just threw it in there as a bonus, 
right? So, so you've got the high attendance weekend, and everyone sends out a, a mass email, a group text, or, or you tweet it, you insta-face snap it, or whatever it is that you do with it, um, and, and you've got the largest crowd ever that you've ever had, and the largest crowd with whom Jesus had ever spoke. Most theologians, theologians believe that. It was phenomenal. It, it, so, so all of these 20,000 people, you've got a real great worship, and let's say it's a Sunday morning service, and, and we turn it over to the guest Messiah to speak. And he gets up, and at 12 noon, he should be wrapping up, right? Because that's when church service should end if it starts at 1045, right? But he keeps going. One o'clock, he's still preaching. By this time, like the hunger pains are starting to come. People are looking at their apples. Well, it wasn't watches back then. It just would have been an apple going, I wish I had more of this. Um, No, uh, two o'clock, he was still preaching. Now, I grew up in church a long time ago when it was nothing to go till one or two, right? But you can't, you couldn't do that a whole lot. And, and, and you know what happened at three o'clock? That dude was still going. Jesus was still preaching. And, and three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. Listen, I'm not exaggerating the text. Look, look at what it says in verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear. Now, you know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek... That means when the day begins to wear. <laughs> so, so this is just how my imagination works. I think the disciples formed a little committee, right? And they got together and they said, what are we going to do? I mean, this is good, right? Um, but man, this guy won't shut up. He's been going all day long. We haven't had a lunch break, not even a snack break. Like he didn't even take communion so I could have one of them stale little crackers. And I got to pee really bad. He ain't even let us out for a potty break. And, and I tell you what, if I don't eat soon, I'm just going to die. Like, I am just going to die right here. If I don't get some food in my belly right now, I'm just going to fall out and die. It's a good thing he can raise people from the dead. Uh, and I think one of them said, you know what? That's it. They said, what's it? He said, let's tell Jesus that the people are hungry, right? He seems to care a lot about the people. He, he doesn't seem to care too much about us, but he cares about the people. Um, so now let's pretend that, that you get elected as the spokesperson for this little group, right? And so I want you to see this in your mind that Jesus is up there speaking. He's teaching thousands of people, and you approach him while he's speaking, you see, that's the, infer- that's the inference here in Scripture, that he was still speaking when they went up to talk to him. And, and so I want you to see it in your mind. So you say, hey, um, Lord, um, hey, ex- ex- hey, Jesus, hey, hey, I know, I know you're, you're, you're still, t- hey, excuse me, y'all, y'all wait just a minute. Hey, look, I, I know you are, are, are still preaching right, and this series of messages that you're preaching today is really good, like top-notch, um, but, but, but man, you've been going a long time, 
And, and can I just tell you that people are kind of getting a little bit hungry, right? I, I, I mean, you, you know, we, we got together and we we're talking, and, and you know how Peter is, right? Peter's like, somebody needs to go tell him, right? You know how Peter is, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, I, I know how Peter is. And he goes, well, I told him, I told Peter that you could go on all night long. But they were like, no, you got to go tell him that the people need to eat, right? So, so the Lord says to him, so you're concerned about the people. Oh, yes, Lord, it's all about the people, right? And, and then maybe you've never seen this, but I want you to pretend that you're, just, you're that disciple. And I want you to look at what it says in verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Excuse me? Yeah, you and your little group over there, if you're concerned about how hungry the people are, then, then you give them some to eat. Oh, oh okay. All right. Um, right? It, it didn't go as you planned. Um, but now you've got to report back to that little group. And, and so that's the hard part, isn't it? always having to report back to, to the group. And, and, and so they ask you, hey, did, did you tell him that the people were hungry? Yeah, yeah, I, I told him that the, that the people were hungry. And they said, well, is he going to stop talking? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, he is not. Well, what are we going to do? Uh, what you, hmm. He, he told us that we should feed him. He said what? Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Um, listen, this is a disaster, right? J- just wait until the first church of the Pharisees hears about this. And, 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 and then some little kid walked by. Uh, he snuck into town, and he was coming back, and, and he'd gotten a Long John Silver sack, right? And, and so they grabbed the sack, and they opened it up, and, and he got the two-piece meal with some extra rolls. And you can imagine Peter, right? Peter probably just grabbed one of the rolls and started eating. And the disciples were like, Peter, stop! That's all we've got left. He's like, oh, okay. Um, Hey, let's tell Jesus that that all we've got is this right here, and he'll dismiss the service and send everybody home. Right now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Think about this. If you had never read the story in the Bible and you had 20,000 people and a two-piece meal, and you said, this is all we have. Don't you think that he would have dismissed the service? Right? Doesn't that make sense? Yes or no? Right? Does it make sense? Yeah, listen to me. Tithing doesn't make sense. Right? Doing it God's way doesn't always make sense but it works. So again, you're, you're the spokesperson, and you, and, and you go back up and interrupt Jesus now for a second time. Yeah, um, hey, excuse me one more time. I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. Um, you know, a moment ago when we were talking, and I was telling you about how good this series is, and, and you said to, for us to go get the people something to eat, and, and we've been working on that, but can I tell you, all that, that we, we've got is two fish and, and almost five rolls, Lord. Um, Peter ate some, but, but that's all we've got, Lord. Um, so we're thinking that, that we should go with our original idea, and you should just wrap it up. 
just, just, come on, Jesus, just wrap it up. And the Lord said, okay, let me get this straight. You've got two fish and almost five rolls. Okay, I know how Peter is. Um, that's what you've got, right? Yes, that's all that we've got. Okay, all right, all right that, that'll be great. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Wait, what? You, you heard me. Um, have them sit down in 50. Lord, I don't think we're clear. We don't have a lot of snack packs to give to everybody, Right? There was a kid walking by, and Peter took it from him. I didn't take it from him, Lord. I tried to stop him, but you know how he is. Yeah, I know how Peter is. Um, Have him sit down in groups of 50. So now they're getting all the people down, and they're sitting them in groups of 50. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a personal opinion here. I think that while they were getting them to sit down, I think one of them might have remembered the Scripture from the Old Testament and gathered the guys up together and says, Hey, guys, I think I know what's about to happen. You remember 2 Kings 4. Elisha fed a hundred men with 20 loaves of bread. The Bible, the, the bread multiplied and they even had some left over. That's in the Bible. And we've got one here that's even greater than Elisha. But, but wait, those 20 loaves of bread, it specifically tells us that those 20 loaves of bread were the first fruits. In other words, God can multiply the tithe. So he said, I bet when he prays over it, it's going to multiply right there in front of us. And you see, I believe that that's what many Christians believe happened that day. Right? That, that when Jesus prayed, it just multiplied. But you see, that's not what happened. Now, now here is what I can see happening. Right, it, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us, but th- this is kind of my, my holy imagination, how I think it went down. Right? Peter just g- probably just grabbed one of the rolls, right? Because we know that Peter's kind of that take-charge guy. And, and, and he said, here, Lord, pray for mine first. Right? Lord, pray for mine first. Why? Because he thought that when Jesus prayed for it, it was just going to go poof. And he'd have like either a big roll or a bunch of little rolls in a basket that somehow magically appeared. Right? Um, he said, pray over mine first. Watch what happens, guys. Just watch. Hey, pray over mine first. But, but look at what verse 16 says. It says, he blessed and broke them and gave them to set before, gave them to the, to the disciples to set before the multitude. So, so here's what Peter was saying. Here, Lord, bless mine, pray over mine. And so Jesus takes this piece of bread from Peter and he lifts it up to heaven. And he says, Father, bless it. And he breaks it and he hands half of it back to Peter. Uh, are you sure you're done praying? Yes, Peter, it's blessed. Now go give it away and just watch what happens because the master has blessed it. You want to pray some more? No, Peter. Now listen, the text doesn't say this, but, I, but I, I think about the principle. Right? Think about this. Jesus blessed it. Here's what he was thinking. You don't understand. Once you bring it to me first and I bless it, you watch what happens because I bless it. Listen, personally, I believe that, that, that Peter walked up to the first person and said something like this. Hey, take just a little piece. And then went down the road. Hey, take, take just a little piece. 
and, and it gets down in that his his role. Remember, he only got half of it because Jesus just blessed it, broke it in half, and and, gave, and and by the time it got to the last person, I imagine there was just a little crumb. And Peter's probably thinking, um, all there is is a little piece. Um, so when he gets down to the last person, and and there's still more people to go, right? And always got a little crumb. I, I believe that the sweat beads started forming on his head, sort of rolling down, right? Because he's getting nervous. He, he, Jesus said to do this, but it wasn't making any sense right now in the physical. Because Peter couldn't see what was going on in the spiritual realm. All he could see was his physical problem of him running out of bread. I believe that right before the guy reaches to grab the crumb, it multiplied. Why? Because it took Peter stepping out in faith. It took the disciples stepping out in the faith, doing what Jesus told them to do before the miracle could take place. Did the miracle take place in Jesus' hands? No. The miracle took place in the hands of the disciples. Once they gave the first to Jesus and he blessed it, and then they gave over and above away. So there's two points of multiplication. Here's number one. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Now, now we've learned through this series the way our finances are blessed. We, we've seen this over and over again is that we bring the first 10% into the house of God. Even Hebrews backs it up in the New Testament that Jesus himself receives and blesses our finances. So you have got to give the first. You see, listen, I, I know some people that give a little here and they, they give a little there, but they don't bring the first, percent, first 10% to the, to the house of God. Listen to me, their finances are not blessed and they will never multiply because only Jesus can bless them. Think about this. What if the disciples had given it out? What if they they gave away the two fish and the five loaves before Jesus had blessed it? Would they have seen the miracle that took place? I'm going to say it again because I think it's extremely important. What if the disciples had just started giving it away and Jesus hadn't blessed it? Would it have multiplied? No. Listen, it's the same way when you give a little here and you give a little there, but you don't bring the first 10% into the house of God. It doesn't have Jesus' blessing on it. Right? I've known people over the years that maybe gave 5% of their tithes to the church and, and then gave 5% of it over to a missions organization. And can I tell you, we love missions organizations, and we are a missions-giving church. But that first 10% belongs to the church. It belongs in the house of God. Can I tell you, you should give to missions, and you should give to missionaries, and you should give to ministries, but that goes above and beyond the first 10%. One particular couple said that they, they had the check written out um, there to the church, and they tore it up, and they made the check for the full 10% to the church. That was on a Sunday. 
on a, on a Monday, they had been waiting for a bonus um, that they were told was supposed to have, that they were going to receive. They had been waiting months. I'm talking months for this bonus. And, and Monday it was in the middle, and, they, and, and, and the people that sent it um, wrote a letter that said, we feel so badly that it took so long to get to you that we actually added some to it. And the amount that they added was the exact amount that they had added the day before in their check. Listen, you're never going to convince me that that's just coincidence. Right? That's God saying, do it my way. But it has to be blessed before it can be multiplied. Number two, it, is, it has to be given away before it can be multiplied. It has to be given away before it can be multiplied. Right? So the first principle had to do with tithing, right? Bring the first 10% to the church and Jesus blesses it. But once he has blessed it, now you can give over and above, right? You can give extra offerings over and above to missions, to outreach, or other things like this. But it has to be given away. Think about this. What if the disciples, after Jesus had blessed it, what if the disciples had just eaten it? Would it have multiplied? Right? Two fish and, and five rolls. What if Jesus blessed it and they just ate it? Listen, it wouldn't have multiplied. Listen, there's a lot of people that will tithe, but they don't give anything above and beyond that amount. Here's the sad thing. It has the potential to multiply, but they just keep eating it. It has the potential to multiply, but they refuse to give it. This morning, I want you to hear from Pastor Robert Morris and how this principle worked out in his life. Okay, so let me tell you how this worked out in, in my own life and in Debbie's life. Uh, I got saved nine months after Debbie and I were married. And I heard, a few months later, heard my first message on tithing, and immediately we tithed. And God began to bless us. Uh, I went to Bible college, and then I was a traveling evangelist. So I did not work at any church. I didn't receive any salary from a church. At that time, I only received offerings or honorariums when I would travel and speak. And so while I'm doing that for a living, and um, the, the Lord spoke to me one day in my quiet time, and he said, I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a very important impression that I received from the Lord. I want you to get your finances in order so I can bless them. God cannot bless things out of order. And we have a stewardship department that can help you get your finances in order. So I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Back then, I didn't know what to do. And he told me three things. So I'm going to tell you the three things he told me. He said, number one, get out of debt. Now, this means different things to different people. Different people have different convictions, okay? For us, we could still have a mortgage, uh, but we were not to borrow for depreciating items, only appreciating items, like a mortgage on a home. So we have a mortgage to this day, and we have had a mortgage, but we put it on a 15-year note. We do our best to pay it off, each, okay? So I just want you to know, because when I say that, I don't want you to, I want you to let the Lord apply it to you how he applies it to you, okay? So number one, he said, get out of debt. So for us, the first thing that we need to do, we had this car that was too big for us. The payment was too big. And so we sold that car, and we bought a car for cash, $750. That was all we could afford. So we bought a car for $750. But I, you got to hear me. We actually loved that car. 
I mean, we loved it because we were getting our finances in order. We loved that car. We prayed over it. Uh, we anointed it with oil about a quarter week. And, um, <laughs> and we drove that car. Okay, second thing the Lord said to me was don't manipulate. Don't manipulate. Now, I was in ministry, but a whole, whole bunch of people manipulate for money. And God never blesses manipulation. Manipulation comes from a root word that means witchcraft. So you, you cannot manipulate. You can't drop hints and expect God to provide for you. And so for me, I said, well, Lord, how does that work out? He said, well, when someone asks you to come speak, they say, what are your financial requirements for coming? And you say, pay our expenses and give us an offering. And some of my friends would actually say, pay, us, or pay our expenses, give, me, give us an offering. And the offering has to be a minimum of. I never even said that. I just said, whatever, just pay our expenses and give us an offering. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, from now on, you say, I have no financial requirements for coming. By the way, this was about 30 years ago, and I still do that to this day. I have no financial requirements coming. And the Lord said to me, I want to teach you who your provider is. That it's not how you arrange things, it's me. Now, again, other people, you can do things differently. Don't put this on, on you. Let the Lord speak to you what he wants you. So this guy calls me. I will never forget. First guy calls and says, uh, Robert, can you come and speak? I said, yes, we worked out a date. He said, what are your financial requirements for coming? I said, I have no financial requirements for coming. And I remember he said, well, that's good because I don't even think we can pay your gas. Now, he didn't say pay your expenses. He said pay your gas. Let me tell you why that's important. We get in that $750 car. We start driving. It was to Oklahoma. We start driving to Oklahoma. I stopped to fill the car up with gas. I went in to pay for it, and the lady said to me, it's taken care of. I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, because when you pulled in, God told me that I was to fill your car up with gas. And I went out, and I got in the car, and I said, Lord, I sure like doing it better your way than my way. <laughs> and here's the third thing the Lord said to me, give. So he said, get out of debt. Don't manipulate. Give. Now, I have to tell you what happened. Uh, I, I said to the Lord, uh, I said, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. Now, I, please don't get offended by this. This is just the, what I, the impression that I got in my spirit when I said that. I said, Lord, um, I do give. I tithe. I felt like the Lord went. <laughs> I mean, that really. I, I mean, I kind of felt like it was like, <laughs> idiot. You know, I and mean, that's what I felt. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean, Lord? I do. I give 10%. He said, you don't give 10%. You return 10%. He said, the 10% is mine. And when you read the language in the Bible, if you don't return it, then you've stolen it. That's the language. I can show it to you in uh, uh, Joshua and in Malachi. Robbed and stolen. Those are the two words God uses. He used it. So I said, well, Lord, what do you mean give? He said, I mean give over and above the tithe. That's when you give. And I asked him three very important questions. I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? And how will I know how much to give? Aren't those important questions? Listen to his very simple answer. Here's what he said. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My people hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And so I said, okay, Lord. So at, not long after that, I go to speak at a church. Now, you have to remember, the only salary that Debbie and I received was when I would go to speak in a church and if they would give us an offering. And I said, you don't have to give us anything. So I go to speak for this church, and it's the only speaking engagement I have for the whole month. 
I only have one engagement that whole month, all right? And it's at a church with about 60 people in attendance. And I go and I speak at that church, and I said, I have no requirements coming. The pastor gets up afterwards. He tells the whole church that. He said, he has, he has no financial requirements coming. I want us to give an offering, and I want us to give a, a, a good offering. So they count it, and then they bring a check to the pastor. And we're standing, like, right here at the front. And the pastor brings me this check. He says, look at this. Look at this. He said, we've never given this much. And he was so excited to be able to do that. And I looked down at the amount, and the amount was, a, was the exact amount of our monthly budget. Exactly. And it had dollars and cents on it. And you have to remember, at that time, we also had an office, and we had an, uh, an employee, a person that helped me to set up meetings, because some of the meetings I did were large meetings and were gathered churches together and things like that. And so I looked down, and I remember thinking, this is my only meeting for the whole month. You told me not to ask for anything, and God, you are so faithful. And while I'm looking at that check and thinking how faithful God is, I kind of glance up, and I look over the shoulder of this pastor that's talking to me, and I see at the back of the church a missionary that had just spoken right before I spoke, shared a report, and this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuked you, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's not God. That's not God. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. That is not God. I remember, this is funny, I know, but I remember even saying, that's not you. That's not you. I know you. that's not you. You would not do that, God. And the Lord said, give him the offering. The whole offering. Give him the offering. And I remember saying to the Lord, again, you just have to know that I talk to the Lord funny, and he talks to me funny. I remember I said to the Lord, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> this is the exact amount of our budget. We have no other meetings this month. You know, I, I preached a good message, and you got all pumped up, and you want to give to a missionary now, Lord. But this is, this is, you provided this for us. And the Lord said, give him the offering. Give him the offering. And then I remember the Lord said to me, I told you that I would tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give right now to that missionary the whole amount. And so the sanctuary was clearing out by now, and I endorsed the check when no one was looking, folded it in half, and I went to the missionary and said, I'm going to give you something, but don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very large amount. And I said, and um, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't want to manipulate in any way. I, I have... I believe now I'm supposed to share these testimonies to help other people. But back then, I didn't share any of these things that I was doing. So I gave him this offering, and uh, he, he, you know, said thank you. And then Debbie and I walked outside, and there were some couples standing in the parking lot. And one of the couples said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Do y'all want to go? And we said, yeah, you know, because we we're broke, you know. And so, <laughs> yeah, sure, oh, yeah, sure, we love going to eat pizza. So we go eat pizza with them, and there are six couples total. So Debbie and I and five other couples. The six guys sat on, if you see this in your mind, sat on one end of the table. The six girls sat on the other end of the table. Debbie's all the way at the end, on that end. I'm at this end, all right? These four guys started talking about something. They got in some conversation about football or something, you know. And then this guy across from me that I had met one time before, just once. I just met him one time. He just leans across the table like this, you know, and so kind of lean across. I don't know what he's going to say. And he said to me, how much was the love offering? Just like that. And again, because I'm a numbers person, I knew exactly what it was. And so I told him the number. And remember, it was an offering, not an honorarium. 
An honorarium is with zeros. It's a round amount, like $250 or $500 or something like that. This was an offering that had, you know, dollars and cents on it. So I told him how much it was. And then this guy says to me, where's the check? Like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I got kind of flustered. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know why this guy was questioning me. And so I just heard myself say, Debbie has it. <laughs> and so he says to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I get up, and I walk down where Debbie is, and I lean down to her, and I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. You know, there's nothing else to say. There's no check. And so I go back, and again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I don't know, why is this guy asking me this? Why is he questioning me? And I didn't want to say, in my heart, I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to say, we gave it to a missionary, and it's the only meeting we have this month. And I didn't want to say that. And so I just heard myself again. I said, it's in the car. <laughs> and he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? <laughs> I mean, you know so much, pal. I just, I started getting frustrated. Why is this guy grilling me like this? What is, what's going on here? And this guy said to me, who, by the way, is now a member of our church and has verified this, this testimony. This guy said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, yes. I said, how do you know that? I'd only met him one time before. I said, how do you know that? He said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to the service that night. And I found out later, which I didn't even know, he didn't even attend that church. He just heard I was speaking and God told him, go give him this check. So he writes a check out before he comes. He holds this check out that's made out to our ministry and he holds it up like this. Now listen to me, before God in heaven, and this man has verified this, it was exactly 10 times the amount of the check that I'd just getting right down to the penny. Exactly. He said, here. And he's holding the top of it. And I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I, I, I realized he, he wants to tell me something. He wants to say something. I now know he wanted to impart something. You do know there's a gift of giving in the body of Christ. There's a gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift. So I'm holding the bottom, he's holding the top, he looked right across the top of the check, right into my eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. Here's what came into my mind when he let that check go. I, here's what I thought. This is God's money. This is not my money, this is God's money. All of it from now on is God's money. By God's grace, I have had that thought with every check that I've received since then. And we've been very blessed financially because for some reason people buy the books that I write and so we've been very, very blessed. I still don't know why, but we've been very blessed. We've been able to give a whole lot to the kingdom of God. But I thought this is God's money. Do you know the first thing we did? We bought a single mother car and we still had the $750 car. We started paying people salaries that were out of work. We started giving 70% of our income to the Lord 
we just started giving. And we never told anyone, and, and f money started coming in from everywhere. And we just kept funneling it through to people. I remember in a few years later, we uh, uh, had a van that we traveled in as a green van. And uh, I remember the Lord told me to actually to sell it. And we traveled all the time at that time. My son, who's, who's uh, my oldest son, Josh, some of you know him, um, when he was three years old, we were somewhere speaking, and someone actually said to him, where do you live? He said, in the van. So, um, so the Lord told me to sell the van for $12,000. I sold it. We went to the mission field right after that, and this missionary uh, drove this old rickety van, and I said, why don't you get you a new van? He said, I'm about to. He said, God showed me last week a van that we're going to buy. I said, how much is it? Anyone want to take a guess? $12,000. And we bought that man. I, we've been living this way for years, giving and giving and giving extravagantly. And, and it, it's verified the elders of the church know it. Steve knows it. Steve is telling me I'm one of the highest givers in the church. And it's not because of my salary. It's because of the outside income that the Lord's blessed me with. And I'm grateful for that. But let me wrap this up. Let me tell you what happened. A few years after this, I was having my quiet time. And... The Lord just spoke to me one day. I was reading in Philippians about Jesus gave up everything. And the Lord said to me, would you give me everything? And when he said it, I knew what he meant. He, he meant everything in my personal checking account, everything in our, Debbie mine, everything in our personal savings, everything in our ministry account, and everything in our ministry savings, which would be like a business account. That was where, where we, our income came from everything in our retirement at that time we had two cars both cars and our house and the way we we did that by the way because we gave it to a pastor that had five children and the church said the best way for you to do it would be to for the church to buy the house as a parsonage and then you give the proceeds back to the church and so that was what we did and there's the man who did that who oversaw that transaction is also a member of our church now and can verify that we gave that to the church so, and that was not Gateway. That was the church I was a member of a long time ago. So, anyway, we gave everything away. So, the next morning, I'm thinking about it, and I'm, because I'm a math person, I'm adding it up in my mind. All these accounts, you know, the, the cars, the house, I'm adding it up, and the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, no, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing. And you know, if you're thinking something, but you don't tell him what you're thinking, he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he knows, just so you know, he knows. So I said, well, Lord, I said, I, I, I'm not having a real spiritual thought right now, so I don't want to tell you. He said, tell me what you're thinking. I said, well, you know that old saying, you can't outgive God? He said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, um, well, I, I said, I don't mean this wrong, but... I think I did. <laughs> I mean, when you add up everything that I gave, I said, this time, I think I've got you. I have no reason why I said that word. I said, I, I think I've got you, like that. And the Lord said to me, you think you've got me? And when he said that, the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. By the way, the man on the phone is a member of our church now and has verified this story also. I picked up the phone, and I said, hello? And this guy said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. 
And I thought, he's going to buy us a car. But even if he buys us a car, um, we just gave away both cars. By the way, at that time, we'd given away nine cars. We've given away a lot more cars since then. And by the way, let me just uh, brag on the Lord through you. Last year, you, Gateway Church, gave over 100 cars to people. So it, it's contagious, the spirit of giving. And so, anyway, I, I was like, well, even if you buy a car, Lord, I've still got you. Because gave away all our retirement and house. And I said, I've still got you. But thank you for the car, you know. And uh, so I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? That's what the guy said. He told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm going to pay for the maintenance and the hangar and the insurance and the fuel. And I've hired a pilot, and I'm going to pay his salary. Here's his name and number, and you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. Gotcha. Now, now, now listen to me. This is not a message, give and you get an airplane, okay? By the way, to, I want to clarify, he gave the use of the airplane to us, and we gave the use of it back to him about a year later. And I, we don't have an airplane today. I don't own an airplane. The church doesn't own an airplane. So it's, this is not about an airplane because that is not the best part of the testimony. Here's the best part of the testimony. A while after that, I was reading, and I was reading the most famous story about Solomon, and you know this story. What's the most famous story about Solomon? The most famous story about Solomon is that God said to Solomon, ask anything you want. And I'll give it to you. Can you imagine God saying that to you? Can you imagine that? So I'm reading that, and I thought it said at night, the Lord appeared to Solomon dream and said, ask anything you want. So I thought, and the Lord leads us when we're reading the Bible, I thought, I wonder what happened that day. What happened that day was he was inaugurated the king of Israel, and it was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull when he was inaugurated. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? 1,000 bulls. 1,000. That's pretty extravagant. And I remember the Lord said to me that day, I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. He said, I would never say that to a selfish person because I couldn't trust them. But I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking about that Debbie and I had given away everything we had. But right then, when the Lord said that to me, he said to me, Ask. Ask anything you want. And I knew exactly what I wanted. I've been very honest with you, and you know this. I have an immoral past. I was immoral after Debbie and I were married. And I thought when she finds out, it's going to end our marriage. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. And this May, we celebrate 35 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. That's better than an airplane. So, 
over the last seven weeks, we've had a lot of people going, hey, pastor, why are we doing this? Does the church need money? And can I tell you, I can say no, right? Are, are there always needs, and will there always be something that needs to be funded? Yes, right? Because the vision God has given us is huge. Can I tell you, it's part of the reason that we haven't shared a ton of vision, because I think it would freak some people out for what God said he would do if we were faithful. But in the midst of this, you guys have heard Tina and I talk before about how there have been times when God has asked us to give it all away. You guys remember us telling the story about we had just gotten married, um, had been working really hard, and we'd saved up $1,000. Like, literally, that was all we had. And I think the only reason we had $1,000 was because we had both gotten paid, like, the day before. And when you added it up, it hit $1,000. Um, and we were at district council. Um, Dave Reaver was speaking. Um, for those of you who don't know him, he's a, a Vietnam veteran that, that got hit with a bomb, uh, spent months and months um, rehab, great speaker. Um, for you, you guys, he's spoken at Sagu Chapel before. Um, and... Uh, they were raising money to help fund um, the, these Kindles that had Bible stuff, t- Bible training for pastors in Vietnam. And at the end of the message, he said, now look, there's some of you in here that God is telling you to, to, to write a $1,000 check to give. And all of a sudden, how many of you guys know that like sometimes whenever you hear from God, all of a sudden you kind of get that, like that heart gets heavy a little bit and maybe it starts to race a little bit. Um, kind of, it kind of feels just, we're talking feelings here, um, but like your, your nerves are kind of on edge. Kind of get a little bit heavy, kind of hard to breathe. Um, not quite like a heart attack, but man, we're almost there. Um, and, and he said, some of you, this is going to be the biggest check you've ever written. And God wants you to know that he is talking to you. And in my head, I'm like, well, God, you didn't have to say that. You already told me to give. And, 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 and so I'm going back and forth because we literally have bills due the, the, the end of the week whenever, whenever we get home. And, and I remember as a young husband going, how in the world do I tell my wife that God just told me to give it away? So I'm like, God, you got to tell her. All right? Because I can tell her, but... but you got to tell her. And I said what he said. I'm like, that's not you, Jesus. That's not you. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I leaned over to Tina there in prayer, so I'm trying to whisper. But if you've never met me, I'm not a good whisperer. And, and I go, hey, I think we're supposed to write a check for $1,000. And she goes, yeah, we are. So at that point, we wrote the biggest check we had ever written, number one in our lives, but number two, the biggest check we had ever written to a church. And can I tell you, I wish I could tell you that, like, we got a $1,000 check in the mail the next day. We didn't. Um, here's the truth of it. I honestly don't have a clue how we paid our bills because we wrote a $1,000 check, and that took care of everything in there. But how many of you guys know sometimes God just takes care of things? Um, fast, fast forward, um, there have been times in our lives that, that we give um, pretty extravagant gifts, um, just blessing people. You know, it's nothing for us to go out to lunch and to, to leave tips that, really bless our, our waitresses and, and waiters. And as we started doing this series, it was about three weeks ago now um, that, that God was, began to talk to me and said, Jason, are you willing to give it all? 
I said, yeah, Lord, you know I'm willing to give it all. And he goes, okay. And that was it. So I'm like, all right, God, do we need to give it all? Were you just seeing if I was ready? I mean, yeah, I'll give anything you want as long as you don't ask me. Um, Anybody ever had that thought? And that afternoon, we went home and, and, and prayed. And, and we felt that, and here's a crazy thing, and, and, and I even called one of our mentors and, and, and said, hey, here's kind of what God's been dealing with us about. You know, I, I think it could be this amount, which was, if we wrote that check, it'd be the largest check we'd ever written to a church or in our lives, period. I said, or is it the whole amount? And, and he goes, that's a good question. I'm like, look, I'm coming to you for advice. He goes, I don't know what to tell you. Ask God. Um, no, but, but he said, well, here's what you can do. He goes, give the amount that, that you think that it may be God. And if you're not comfortable, like, if, 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 like you sense that you need to give more, then just give it all at that point. We're like, all right, cool. So last Sunday, um, we came in with a, a check written for that amount. Largest check, by the way, that we'd ever written um, to the church. It was actually only half of the amount because we were like, you know what, we'll take our mentor's advice, and we do trust God. A little bit less than half. Yeah, and it was like, and and we do trust God. And, you know, for me, you guys have met our best friends, Ashley and Derek. Ashley and I have our biggest fear is that our husbands will go to a service and we'll give all of our money away. That's it. Like, and their fear is that they will go to a service and we'll get called to go like overseas in missions and Ashley and I are good with overseas missions you know and and they're good with giving everything away Uh, but with this week God really had challenged me and he was like Tina do you trust me and it's such an easy thing to say yes but it's such a hard thing to walk it out and I was like yes Lord I trust you he goes are you willing to walk it out and, I'm like, no. And, and, and by the way, if you remember last week, the message was on dream givers. Remember, talked about giving up our dreams yes. in replace of God's dreams. Yes. So one of our dreams had been that, to be able to save up, to have a savings account, okay, to be grown-ups to, and have a savings account. To be able to pay off debt, to be able to, to, to have some financial stability. How many of you guys know that financial stability is a good thing, right? But you know what? This time... I was not the one freaking out. I was the one that was like, babe, look at me. I'm good. Because I leaned over to her in the middle of the service, and he hadn't even gotten to the point, and I just leaned over and I said, hey, love, I think we're supposed to give everything. And I said, okay, go for it. (laughs) And normally my response would have been like, awesome. But it wasn't like... And normally my response to him would have been like, I need you to pray about it more. (laughs) And we need confirmation, like from two or three people. Now, does God call everybody to do this? No. Like, we just want to share our journey with you, okay? And um, and it was one of those things, it's like, are you willing to walk it out? And I'm like, Lord, I got these shoes. I will follow you anywhere. I'm like, God, everything we have is already yours. I'm like, look, it's not even ours. It's not even ours. So if, if you just want to make it official and have us sign that check and say, dude, this is yours, we will do it in a heartbeat. Tina, there was something that God said but, in the midst of it, talking about dreams, that God said specifically to you yes. about me. Will you tell them what that was? Yes. 
um, when we wrote just half of it. Um, and we gave it in the offering. Don't just we like, don't we, we wrote the check and we gave we it, gave in, it the in the offering. offering. That was going to be good. And it was that same Sunday. And, uh, and God was like, you know, you need to give it all. And you need to let Jason know that his dream is to be secure and not to depend on a paycheck, on a paycheck, but depend on me. Like he, de- he does not want to depend on a paycheck. He wants to have that financial security. And I need you to know that I'm your financial security. Mm. So I had to tell that to my husband. <laughs> and, I, and when I did, I was like, babe, you've counted on the savings account to be, to be our saving grace. To be our, you know, this is, this is what saves us from, from whatever. And, and God's saying, give away your dream. And so, can I just tell you, I knew it, but I still struggled with it. Anybody ever heard God tell you to do something and you still struggled with it a little bit? Um, I wish I could tell you that just that moment we wrote a check and went and replaced it. We didn't. Um, we waited until Monday Monday morning. Before um, the deposit. I, before the deposit went in, I came in and, thank you, Bob. I came in and broke into the church. Um, literally um, cut my knife um, getting into a door um, to take that check out um, and replace it with the check for all because I lost my keys not because I just break into the church yeah good call Um, why do we tell you that can I tell you we don't tell you that to go look at us and for applause um, because that's not the heart but I want you to know that this journey that we've been on the last seven weeks has been for us as well, right? It's not just something we're asking you to do or a journey that we're asking you to take, but it's one that we're taking ourselves. And can I tell you, is God telling everybody in here to give everything you've got? No, but maybe. I I don't know. Here's what I want you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as the worship team comes back. I know this morning took a little bit longer, um, but I wanted you to catch it, that, that God is your source. Listen, you can't outgive God, and it's more than financial blessings. God wants to bless you, your family, your marriage, your health, your business, your relationships. He wants you to live the blessed life. Listen, I, I want you to take just a moment and say, God, what are you saying to me? I'll tell you something else I want you to do. I want you to seriously pray about what God wants you to give next week. I mean an extravagant gift for you. You see, $100, $200, or maybe $500 would be an extravagant gift for some. And for others, maybe it's $10,000 or $100,000 that would be an extravagant gift for you. I I, I don't know. Um, But I want you to pray about it and and see what God is saying to you. And I want you to do whatever it is that God tells you to do. This morning, we want to pray for you. You're going through any type of difficulty, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, we want to pray for you. 
If you're going through a difficult time in your finances, your, your family, your marriage, your health, your relationships, maybe your relationship with God, listen, the best gift you can give is you. That's the best gift. Maybe by giving everything, that means by giving you. Maybe it's a habit or, or a sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Somewhere that you run when, when you come under pressure. Listen, I'm asking you to give everything to God. You. So if you need prayer for any area in your life, here in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. And as soon as we stand, I want you to stand and step out and come to the front of the room because we want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you will draw every person in here who has any prayer need. In Jesus' name, amen.